When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What? What is with these writers? They've been they've been idiots for a while. What? What are we doing? What a bunch of bums. and gentlemen, welcome to the 3-0 Take, the official podcast of Dirt to Diamonds Baseball. Here's your host, Kyle Corwin. What up, what up, and welcome back to the 3-0 Take, the official podcast of Dirt to Diamonds Baseball. This is episode 24. I'll be your host, Kyle Corwin, and I'm here with my co-host, Nate Reyes. Nate, you've had a pretty rough couple, couple days here. Not feeling too hot. Your your AL Rookie of the Year choice did not follow through. Tell me how you've been feeling. Uh, so angry. So angry. The allergies are different here, bro. Like, I don't know if it's allergies or I'm just, I just have the worst immune system ever. But I, I can't breathe. And I blow my nose like 1,700 times a day. You need to take better care of yourself, my guy. I know. I'm just, I think I might just hot tub it tonight. A little hot tub, breathe in the the warm Arizona air. There you go. Yeah. Well, uh, share share with the people your thoughts about this whole AL Rookie of the Year situation. Insanity. I really don't get it. I really don't understand it. Um, you know, looking uh, saying it now kind of sounds funny because he had such a rough year. Uh, but like when Gary Sanchez came up two years ago. Um, and he had just he just came on the scene and just started hitting bombs everywhere. They snubbed him for not playing enough games, right? And then we just allowed Otani to come in after playing what ninety something games, a hundred games. Um, had half the plate appearances as Andujar, uh, and had was not even close to him on average runs, hits. I mean, it was insane i i don't understand it i i get the idea that he's you know impressive on the mound but it's like i I, this isn't a potential award this is an award that who has the most potential it's who had the best year and he didn't have the best year out of the rookies i mean i i don't understand i would have understood if maybe it was came down to like one or two votes but it was a landslide first place vote that he got and i i just don't get it it's ridiculous. And I know you feel the same way, even though you can't stand the Yankees or in Duhar, but you have to agree that it just it doesn't make sense. I don't understand these writers. No, I mean I'm not all that hot on Otani either. Like I mean part of it honestly wasn't even his fault, but like the media built him up to be this like Japanese babe Ruth. And I'm like, all right, all right, let's pump the brakes. Like Yeah. Haven't seen him play a single game in Major League Baseball, so let's let's slow down a little bit with that. But then he did kind of bring 
bring this on himself. And I actually put up a picture of it on Instagram the other day because I wanted to resurface it because I just thought it was hilarious. But you remember, uh, I think it was like in April or May or something. I don't remember when it was, but there was a big deal made made up about the fact that um, he needed silence, like when he was when he was up at the plate and on the mound. Like, do you remember? You remember all that going yeah. down? So ridiculous. And I'm like, all right, this guy is a little bit Soft. of a prima donna. Like, yeah. So I'm all that to say. I'm just not not his biggest fan. So that only further con- contributes to the fact that I don't think he needed or he deserved rather this award. Yeah, it's. He didn't play enough. He didn't play enough. And don't throw the freaking war stat at me. Like, I don't want to hear that. You get you get separate war as a pitcher and as a hitter, and then you get to add both as an overall war. Well, if this was an award for highest war, I mean, Mike Trout's going to win AL Rookie of the Year, right? I, I just don't get Like, I am officially done with the writers. This is stupid. I mean, stupid. It, it seems to and, me it seems to me is like I said if this was a war award that Mike Trout would win, would win rookie of the year every year. Yeah, not, it's just all about just war. Year, but every it's year. all about war and OPS plus and like what what are these stats? Stop. Look down to like the nitty-gritty stats that everyone's the, the been looking at potatoes. for 100 years. The meat and potatoes. A hundred years of looking at these stats, and now we're just creating new stupid stats. Stop! I feel like it all stems from Brian Kenny. He's the he's the clear leader of OPS plus. I feel like you're a little upset right now, Nate. You sound a little you sound a little salty. I'm pissed. I'm pissed. It's getting old. Speaking of old, speaking of old, let's look at some history, specifically uh, baseball history. November baseball November fifteenth. What do you got? Uh, so first one is nineteen eighty three. So not that old, but this guy is, is starting to get old a little bit. Uh, big man Cal Ripken, my guy, is named the AL MVP. Goat. Uh, hit three eighteen, twenty seven home runs, and one hundred and two RBIs. Uh, with teammate. Eddie Murray and Chicago catcher Carlton Fisk also receiving first place votes. The Orioles infielder becomes the first player to win Rookie of the Year and MVP in consecutive years. Super impressive. Uh, Favorite all time. That guy's a stud. He's just the man. Uh, 2005. This is a big one. The Players Association and owners agree to toughen the current penalties for the use of steroids, using a 50-game suspension for the first offense, 100 games for the second, and a lifetime ban for the third. It's where we officially ended the, the steroid era and began clean baseball again. Have there been any changes? Do you know off the top of your head if there have been any changes to that? Or is that... Sounds like I think it same, has right? been adjusted. I think it's now... I think it's now... 80 games for first one, one year for the second one, and then I think the lifetime still stands for third. Does that sound right? Because I feel like the 80-game one was with Robinson Cano. Well, fortunately, I've got this, uh, I've got this computer here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confirm for the people. But you go can on you ahead. Use, can you use the Googleplex? 
Oh, I'm, I'm using the Google. I'm Googling it. Let you us, may, you may move along give here? Give me some Google. Yeah, go on ahead. All right. Let me know what research you find. Try not to type in my background, okay? Hey, you don't worry about me. You just worry about yourself. Uh, this one's a little weird. <clears throat> Next year, 2006. Yes. Increase from 50 games to 80 games for a first testing violation. As soon as I started reading. And the most significant toughening in, to the drug rules in eight years, Major League Baseball and the Players Association said the penalty will increase from 50 games to 80 games. And this is in March of 2014. Continue. I just love being right. Uh, next year, 2006, Joe Girardi, six weeks after the Marlins fire him, wins NL Manager of the Year. He receives 18 of the 32 first-place votes in the ridiculous, I don't know how to read or write, Writers Association, Ballant. What a bunch of bums. Uh, idiots. And this is a prime example. The unemployed freshman skipper who easily outpointed Willie Randolph of the Mets for the honor is the first manager of a losing team to cop the award. They were 78 and 84 and he won manager of the year. What? What is with these writers? They've been, they've been idiots for a while. What? What are we doing? What a bunch of bums. Can we, can we start a t-shirt that says B B W A A? You bum? Yeah, we're going to have a whole line of you bum shirts. And you just, in fact, you know what? I'm just going to make it customizable for the people. I'm just going to put yeah. a line there. They can fill in a blank with whatever they want. If their mailman right. brings in their mail late, you say, hey, mailman, you bum. And then you just make a shirt and you can wear that That's outside right. every day. I like that. Baseball Writers Association of America, you bum. All of you. caps off our uh, Today's Date in Baseball History. November 1-5. November 1-5. Beautiful. Well done, sir. Uh, let's move on. Cover cover some cover some baseball teams. Start off with the Indians. First off, before we dive into that, want to wish a very happy birthday, happy 25th birthday to Francisco Lindor. Granted, we're recording this on the 14th, so by the time you hear this, he will be 25 in one day. Um, but just wanted to wish, like I said, wanted to wish a happy birthday to one of my selections for best swag awards, uh, that we bestowed last week. So a big, really a big week for, for Frankie, you know, not only did he, not only did he turn 25, but he was awarded, uh, one of three for best swag on the three O take podcast, the official podcast of Dirt to Diamonds Baseball. So. Big week for big week for the infielder. Uh, how does that make you feel, by the way, that he just turned twenty five and is a stud? All right, I actually I had a feeling you were going to ask me something like that. You want to know who I'm really surprised at their age? Who? Jose Ramirez. Does this guy not look like he's like thirty three, thirty four years old? Like if you just look at his face, he just seems like he's got. There's something about it. He's just got some age to his face. But I looked it up. He's only 26 years old. Look, I don't want to be discriminatory or racial in any way and no, we be don't do critical. That but I will say 
I think there's some sketchiness when it comes to guys coming from the DR. Oh, in terms of like, oh yeah, that's definitely that's definitely legit. Like there've like, been, there like, been stories of guys saying like their names aren't actually their names, their ages aren't yeah. actually, actually their ages. You can look all that stuff up. It's been proven. Yeah. That's, we state facts here, Nate. We don't we don't. Speculate. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is that like he could be 32, 33. Who knows? Like I don't know, man. It's there's some sketchy stuff. Like you can't tell you saying. can't tell me he's a year older than Francisco Lindor. Francisco Lindor looks like he's twelve sometimes. Yeah, he's and you're gonna baby. tell me you're gonna tell me Jose is only a year older. I don't buy it. All right. Anyway, let's let's dive in this a little bit. Um, Cleveland Indians. 2018 went 91 and 71, finished first in the AL Central, as we all know by now, and they would go on to be swept by Houston in the ALDS three games to none. Um, what's your what's your overall takeaway from this team this past season? Uh, just to shine some more light on our intelligence, uh, we predicted that they were coasting for the last couple weeks of the season. And it was going to hurt them in the playoffs. They hadn't played a meaningful game in a month, probably, going into the playoffs. And it showed. They were not in sync. Uh, the aforementioned Jose Ramirez was ice cold. Pitching was not great. I mean, it, it was just the whole team was just asleep. Well, I feel like, so, we, I feel like we have, we've ragged on their playoff performance plenty in the, in the previous episodes. Uh following the conclusion of their season. Yeah. Um, but in terms of any any positive takes we got, any, anything stands out to you about this particular team? I mean, certain guys, but it, when it comes down to it, it's hard to look at a team and say that was a good year when they have their expectations, when they have their roster built. Lindor had a good year, uh, played 158 games, which is always impressive. Uh, 38 home runs, 92 RBIs, also swiped 25 bags. Jose Ramirez went crazy during the regular season, 39 home runs, 105 ribs. Kluber was ridiculous, uh, 20-7, and 7, 289 ERA, and 33 starts. So positive notes from your studs, uh, and it's, it's good to hear. It's good to see. Um, but overall, like I said, it's it's hard to say. You know, for the, well, you can take the A's and say, well, that was a good year. Like that was a successful year because no one expected him to do that. But everyone knew the Indians were going to win the division, and everyone expected them to make a large dent in the playoffs, and they did. Well, I would say that people expected them to make a dent in the playoffs until the bracket was finalized, and people saw that they had to go up against Houston. Yeah, I mean, for sure, with the with the Astros coming, I mean, it's. It's uh, <clears throat> even though obviously we'll get to them later, but they uh, didn't really move on much further. But it it was, I don't know. The playoffs were strange this year. Uh, I would have expected a little more fight out of the Indians. But like I said, I think when I don't know, it, I think when you're in that weak of a division and you're that good of a, a team. It's hard to to not coast. Yeah, it's hard to prepare yourself. Yeah, but uh I don't think uh I don't think it's time to 
to rebuild. I don't think it's time to tear it down. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of these. I mean, obviously, as a Yankees fan, I, I like the idea of, you know, trying to pick up one of their starting guys. But as a, as a, as a, you know, anything baseball knowledge wise, it doesn't make sense to me for them to start rebuilding or tearing down. No, I think, I think the word rebuild is probably the furthest from their vocabulary right now. I don't think they're, I don't think they're concerned with that at all. I think as with most teams you see on a year to year basis, it's just kind of plugging in some hole or kind of plugging up some holes that, uh, will inevitably be left once this, uh, wave of free agency kind of settles. Um, sure. I don't think, yeah, I don't think they'll have don't much think, to worry about. I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't take a part of that rotation. Would you? No, but I have seen, um, I have seen some rumors about Corey Kluber, maybe, maybe being shipped out possibly yeah, to the Yankees. Um, and I don't, I don't know who he'd necessarily be. And not to say a good fit, because obviously he's going to pitch well, probably anywhere. But yeah. just in terms of what what team could utilize his kind of skill set best and his what he brings to the table best. Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> I think the asking price is probably going to be pretty high. He still has three years left on his deal, um, and he's thirty two. So I understand that the he's starting to hit that decline age, but I mean, at 20 and seven with a two, eight, nine ERA, that's absurd. Yeah. I think Kluber's peak slash decline age might be a little later than that's what I'm saying. I think think he's still got a couple years to personally. I think uh, if I'm the GM, I go one more year of really pressing and trying to, trying to win it all one more year of going for it before I start to take away pieces. Um, well, Their bullpen was atrocious, and so that is something I would address. Yeah, I think kind of piggybacking off that um, somewhere where they where they have room to improve, I guess you could say, would be their like yeah. like you alluded to is their pitching because they were they were um, they were ninth in team ERA at three seven seven, which not the worst, obviously, but like I said, room to improve, room to maybe make a couple additions to kind of bring that down a tad to kind of. Um, uh, increase your chances of maybe making a deeper run at it in October. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So certain guys that I have in mind um, that I would sign that would I, I would go nuts with the bullpen. I would do similar to what the Rockies did at the beginning of this uh, 2018 season. You remember how they signed like three or four bullpen guys, right? And just tried to plug that gaping hole of of you know the Achilles heel, if you will. Um, I have four guys that I feel could come in and make an immediate come, uh, impact and really, you know, help. Uh, David Robertson is one. Joe Kelly is another. Uh, Juris uh, Familia and uh, Justin Wilson are four guys that I think are kind of that hybrid role. I would probably move on from uh, – from Cody Allen, I would move on from Andrew Miller. I would sign these guys to come in. And, and you know, like I said, I think the rotation is good enough to 
to average five and a half, six innings a start. And then you just throw in one inning guys after that. But uh, those are those are guys that I think could come in that have playoff experience, that are veterans, that can uh, – I'm not looking for young, you know, young come in and completely take over my bullpen guys. It's, it's guys that can fit and know their role and understand what to do. Another signing I would actually do uh, would be Dallas Keuchel. Uh, I think he could fit right into this rotation. Uh, brings in, you know, a lefty. They got they heavy heavily with the righties in the in the rotation. So I think I'd go with Keiko, fit into a two or three role in the rotation, and, uh, and sure up pitching and let the let the offense rake. Yeah, that that could uh, pose a potentially very interesting. Uh, situation next October if he were there to pick him up from the Astros and then see them meet again. It um, seems like a good fit, right? In in October, I'd be curious to see how how well he'd be able to pitch against his old team. Uh, but just some uh, positive takeaway. Um, just a, a note that I got here: they did have the in twenty eighteen they did have the second highest batting average. In baseball, they, they were hitting 259 as a team. Uh, they were second to Boston's 268. Um, but, and then also, I know we mentioned him, uh, we mentioned him earlier, but Jose Ramirez obviously had that big, big extension in, I think it was 2017, five years. Um, so they've got him, him for a little while continue to utilize him as one of those core pieces in potentially this this last hurrah kind of like you alluded to of maybe yeah. making one big push uh, i think he'll be a key piece in that um but yeah i think i think offensively they've got they've got the pieces there i, I think kind of like we've yeah. been kind of like we've been talking talking about thus far is just filling in those holes with pitching um, but that to me, that kind of wraps up what the Indians need to do. Any other thoughts before we move on to our next team? Uh, let Tito Francona just give him a roster and let them roll. Give them, a, you know, give him a solid shot. It, the guy knows what he's doing. He knows how to win. I don't think it's time to to reset or lose any pieces at all. Just go for it. I would agree. Um, it seemed not likely to be going for it, quote unquote, in 2019 is the Miami Marlins. Yeah. That's the team we're going to be breaking down here for the next few minutes or so. Um, 63 98, last place in the NL East this year. Um, although, there is a positive takeaway from that. Uh, you might be wondering, well, what in the world could that be? Um, unlike the Indians, they didn't get swept in the postseason. So that's something Yeah. That's hey. something to take away from this this just brutal season. Um I think really the thing I know that I wanted to kind of focus on, I don't know about you, but uh kind of Derek Jeter's role in this whole thing. Yeah. Um there's been a lot of a lot of feedback on 
how he's done thus far and kind of where he's taken the team. Uh, but to me, if if I'm a Marlins fan or really just a baseball fan in general, and I'm looking at what he's doing, I don't know how you could be upset with the fact that he's basically just blowing up the team and essentially blowing Thank up you. blowing up the stadium because, <laughs> like, what do you what are you doing? Like, okay, so what's the alternative to, alternative to that? Like, do you just not want him to do anything? You want him you want him to keep guys around and I agree and see and if you can make it work because. Yeah. Because the biggest thing that people fail to forget, okay, yeah, let's, okay, forget blowing up the team. Let's just keep the, let's rewind. Let's let's go back before the Yelich trade or release or whatever, and and, and the other guys that they let go or got rid of. Let's l- let's look at the numbers here. Let's just say we kept all those guys together. There's people out there that are really thinking that that was the answer. That was the way to to bring this team back to their glory days all right let me let me run you through this they haven't had a winning season since 2009 2017 they went 77 and 85 2016 79 and 82 2015 71 and 91 2014 77 and 85 2013 62 and 100 2012 69 and 93 2011 72 and 90 2010 80 and 82 and 2009 was 87 and 75. So, so folks that think that keeping these guys around is the answer, tell me how, how that is the answer. How is blowing up the team, not progress? It just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't, I don't understand it either. And I think what, what we're able to do is, is we don't even have to say Derek Jeter's name. If if Derek Jeter wasn't the one who came in, if some no name, you know, John Doe came in as this GM ahead of baseball operation and wiped this team out, we wouldn't be talking about this. It's the fact that it's Derek Jeter. Right? I, I don't understand I agree with you. I don't understand how this is how he's being ridiculed. This is what you have to do. You have to fully commit. If you're gonna rebuild rebuild don't sit in the middle if you can get pieces for an nl mvp if you can get pieces for the next year's nfl uh, nl mvp if you can get pieces for a stud all-star left fielder get rid of them rebuild commit to it cut down the payroll grow your farm and build from within and then you're gonna have sprouts from that farm you're gonna have pieces come up you know, prospects that show, you know, some real potential. And then when you're at that brink of maybe getting back to 500 ball, now you go sign pieces. You're still Miami, right? You're still a beautiful city. You're still a great baseball city. You're still close to spring training. This It's not, it's not going to be hard to sign free agents, but you have to rebuild. Let this farm get after it. Let your organization grow these kids. And then, and then start to build around that. The only thing I will say that I disagreed with was trading away Justin Bohr. And I know we're a little biased because he's a friend of the show. Yep. We watched him when we were kids. Um, Heck, we watched him take batting practice. In, well, I watched him take batting practice in high school. You had already moved on from that point. You had moved out west doing but better, he, he, better we things. We played in the same Little League organization. The guy's a stud. 
and we're always going to root for him. I, I don't think they should have traded him. I think he was cheap. He was still arbitration contracts, uh, you know, controlling. Uh, build around him and let him become that leader in the clubhouse. Let him become that that guy. Um, so that to one didn't on make the show. too much. Yeah, that that didn't that didn't make too much sense to me. But what I will say about this 2019 season is that after trading away Brad Ziegler before the deadline, they have no free agents. They're not losing any free agents. They don't have to worry about re-signing anyone. I think that's a smart place to be in. Again, the, the, you got to grow the farm and building off of that. Let's trade Real uh, Real Muto while the going's hot. You know, while the market is looking for him. Throw let's freaking Starlin Castro in there. Literally, just empty the entire freaking bench. Like, yeah, just let him go. It's I don't understand why at this point you're trying to keep a single guy. Let him go, um, and just and just grow. I think <clears throat> here's what I will say. I think hanging on to Starlin Castro, hanging on to Martin Prado. And signing some guys in this offseason, some veteran guys that will help with that young group. You know, have them there for spring training, teach them the ropes, teach them the, the everyday routine, get them over the humps, will help, show some leadership, stuff like that. But the other thing is that you're going to have more trading pieces when it comes down to trade deadline next year. See, I feel like I might disagree with you a little bit on that in terms of the veteran experience because the only the only times when I'm a fan of kind of bringing in those veteran leaders um, is when you're on the brink of making it making it either into the playoffs or you have a potential to make a deep push into into the playoffs. I think I think what this team needs to do is just go all in on youth. And I don't want to say similar to Boston because they're they're kind of a unique situation, but they're for the most part a relatively young team. And we've seen that like yes, although there's certain veteran leaders and situations like that that can definitely help a young group. Yeah. I, at this point, if you're if you're just blowing up the house, you're blowing up the stadium, essentially blowing up the roster, like to me, just get a get a group of guys in there that's young that will just enjoy playing together. Similar, probably more so similar to kind of what the Braves are doing, where it's like you're just going all in on youth. You're I mean, obviously they got a couple older guys, but for the most part, like I said, relatively young. I think that would be the best move for them. And just kind of as as much as it would suck, you're gonna have to be patient for a few years. You're still gonna have a, a number of those 72 and 90 type seasons but i think that would be that would possibly be a smart move for them is just get a group of guys that you can build up and then maybe at the end of i don't know four or five years they'll be at a point where they've been playing together long enough to where they can they can make a push into october and obviously i know that Sometimes that can get expensive because if they if they blossom into something uh, worth trading for or worth signing, then it, it it costs a little more to keep that entire group around. But I still think it would maybe be worth kind of and 
investing in or looking into as a possible course of action for this team. I understand. The The reason I say signings <clears throat> is because I think it, it's, it kinda, it's a catch-22. I think sign these guys, again, flip them. You're going to flip them. You're going to sign them knowing that they're either going to retire after this year or right. you're going to trade them before the deadline and you're going to build that youth. So it's a catch-22 of signing these guys to, again, help the farm. Um, I have four guys in mind, and they're probably either-or situations. First guy is Matt Wieters. After you trade Real Muto, bring in Matt Wieters. Let him help your young staff. Let him probably have a carefree, good first half, um, and then flip him, trade him. You can probably sign that guy for less than $10 million. One year, less than $10 million. You flip him. You get two prospects out of them, and, and you're gold. And that, I think, I will consider that a, a solid transaction. Another one is Brian McCann. Uh, another guy that can help your young staff, that can come in, veteran presence, leader, um, teach these guys how to do it. Then flip them. Send them out of here next June. Uh, two more guys, Denard Spann and Curtis Granderson. Guys are basically done. You're going to squeeze the last out of them. You can flip them. They may go sign or get traded to a team that's in the hunt. And again, you get prospects for them. And so these are guys that aren't going to be expensive. They aren't going to be the 15 to $20 million guys. You're going to get them for under 10, probably between 5 and $8 million for a year. You sign a one-year deal. They ship them out of there because they're going to be rentals for another team. And I think that's kind of how you do it to really embrace – and continue to build because I think if you go all young for 2019 and you don't sign anybody, what happens when you have a, a crap year and you don't trade anybody? You just it was a wash year. You know what I'm saying? I think you're you're gonna have a crap year anyway. Sign these guys to to hitch a ride on this crap year. Have a good individual season. Flip them and at least you come out of 2019 saying well. Hey, I got to flip this 35 or 36-year-old, and I got two 20-year-old prospects out of it. That's just my take. Interesting take. Well. I'm going to be a GM. Dare after, I? After, after this cold, I think I'm going to apply. There you go. Yeah. Um, dare I make the comparison? I was kind of thinking about this as I was pulling my notes together. Are we... Now, granted, I don't I don't know the ranking of Miami's farm system in comparison to the rest of the league, so this might be way sure. off. Sure. But could we possibly see a sort of revival that we saw in Houston because we saw how Minute Maid was just a ghost town for so many years. Yeah. And now we see what it's turned into. Do we think that especially like we've already like I've already mentioned Jeter's basically blowing everything up and kind of just starting from the ground up um do we think that we could see a similar kind of revival that we saw out west I think so I think so because you have it's not like they need a new stadium you have a brand new beautiful stadium and again you're in Miami uh you're you're close to Cuba. You're close to the DR. You're close to being able to 
to to get get these guys here. I mean, if you think about it, anybody that's from the Central America or from the islands, they probably hang out there during the off season anyway. So this is a this is a good place to where people want to come. And I think as far as the prospects go, like you're mentioning with the with the uh, the Astros, like I there's someone's going to sprout from this. Someone. You're going to have a couple dudes that come out of this and they're going to be studs. You hang on to them. You keep them all the way through their arbitration years. And I think in four or five years, you could do something. You could you could do something because, again, uh, the Nationals are going to take a step back. The Braves look like they're on the uphill. Uh, they're, they're starting to do stuff good. Um, Phillies are probably going to make a couple moves. So the division's getting tougher. <clears throat> but I think in four or five years, you're going to hear about the Miami Marlins uh, having a good core again. And I, again, going back to Jeter, the dude came up in a good core. He knows what it looks like. And I think he's he's going to be able to, to really help that, that organization. Yeah, I've got full confidence in Jeter. Like, I'm not – I, I kind of knew – obviously, we don't know what goes on behind behind closed doors, but – I kind of knew, and I'm sure a lot of other people felt the same way, that something something positive was going on behind closed doors. Like, he's not just going to come in and just blow the team up just for the sake of saying, oh, like, I'm, like I can just do whatever I want. Like, and he's not going to bounce after he does it. He's not yeah, leaving. like, that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. And I don't know why people would be like, oh, he's just going to come in and just eradicate the entire roster. Like, he's right. obviously, he, he's been around the game long enough and he knows the game probably better than everybody that's ridiculing him. All these fans that are sitting on the couch eating Cheetos, like he understands like what needs to be done to create a winning culture. I mean, he played for an organization that that's all they knew that it was a winning culture. So he obviously knows right. what goes in, what needs to go into into this situation. And, and I think and what people need to remember is that they, the Yankees were awful for about ten years before he got there. Right, and I think this that, is exactly the same situation. Yeah, and I think that he is because of that. He's very good at looking long term, and I think he sees big picture. And he's, from what I've seen and what I've heard, it doesn't seem like he's he's all too bothered by the by the outside noise. And I think he's he's going to do something good with that team and and make a lot of people look silly at the end of that five six year span or whatever, however long it takes. But hundred percent um, agree. Yeah, I think kind of piggybacking off that point, um, I think at that whenever that whenever that time frame ends, like you said, five, six, maybe even seven years if things don't move along as quickly as we'd like or that they would like, um, I think you could see some butts and some seats down there in Miami. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, especially without that stupid monument thing. But and, what I will say is that if, if Miami is uh, is a place to visit, I'm going to be looking for some cheap seats to sit there. You sure you don't want to look for like something more a little on the expensive side, below some of that money? Because I know you no. got I know you got a lot of it. Yeah, I'm stacked, fully stacked with with cash. I'm really? sitting on cash. Well, I mean, with you, my you thought you were better than us. Dollar laptop. In case you were possibly looking to maybe be a little more frugal and save some money, 
I've got the answer for you. You want to know what it is? Geek. No. Geek. We've done this for like, this is what, our 24th episode? It's not geek. It's not geek. It's seat geek. Geek. Geet. Seek. No, not seek geet. It's seat, <laughs> seat geek. And it's the answer to all your ticketing needs. Are you looking for tickets? Do you have plans with friends or family to make it to an upcoming game or concert? I know it's not going to be baseball tickets because baseball season's over. Or are you looking even months ahead to nail down a date to get tickets before they sell out? With SeatGeek, you can find tickets to games, concerts, shows, and even theater performances. Yes, theater performances with just a few easy clicks. We're making it even better for you if you're a first-time user of SeatGeek. Next time you add some tickets to your cart, use our promo code DTD at checkout to save $20 instantly off your first purchase as a first-time user. That's all you got to do. Save some of that cold, hard cash. Enter promo code DTD at checkout. All righty. You want to go to the theater? I'd love to go to the theater, man. That'd be nice. Dress up a little bit. Heck yeah, man. Maybe you take, yeah. me, out. Maybe you take me out for a little dinner. Do you have a tux? little dinner and dancing. Oh, which one of us is wearing the dress in this in this scenario? Uh, you. I don't want to imagine either of those <laughs> scenarios. Um, what do we got? I'm I'm lost in our notes here. We got some DMs. Ooh. We do have some DMs. It's been a while since Ooh. we had DMs. Welcome back to the to the DM life. Uh. <clears throat> All right. Are you ready? Let's lead us off here, man. First one's from Sherry. Also, before... Why didn't Cora... Before we get started, I'm just going to preface this. We're going to roll through these relatively quickly. There's going to be more of like a rapid fire type situation. Because I don't want to be on here for hours and hours. I got places to be. I got people to see. Things to do. Why didn't Cora get AL Manager of the Year from Sherry? Because the writers are a bunch of bums. We've already established this. If anything, WAA bums. If anything, it should have been Cora Cash Melvin. That's my take. And I know people are going to be in an uproar about that because Melvin was obviously working with the lowest payroll. But he's also not playing in the American League East, where the two teams in front of him, in front of Cash, rather, won a combined. 208 games in the regular season. So that's just my take. I would have chose Cash. Cash would have been my guy. Uh, from Nathan, which teams need to just start over and rebuild? Um, well, I think we kind of covered that with one of the teams. I think the Miami Marlins are well on their way to just – rather, Derek Jeter is well on his way to – completely just blowing everything up and starting from scratch. I think he still has a couple more pieces until he can finally say he's at rock bottom. And I think from that point on, you just move forward and just block out the haters, man. You know, that's what you got to do. Oh yeah. That's what he did. That's what he did in the whole New York Boston series for what? Close to two decades. He, he, he knows how to, he knows how to handle his business. I got a list of teams for you. Ready? Let me go quick. Toronto, Baltimore, Minnesota, Kansas City, Texas, New York Mets, Cincinnati, 
San Diego, Arizona. So, ba- so basically the entire major leagues. <laughs> yep. All right. You're welcome. Good deal. Uh, from Cole, since the Nats are most likely losing Harper, who should they target this offseason to try to replace him? Well, I don't think you're going to be able to replace Harper. What? No, I know for a fact you're not going to be able to replace Harper, but you might be able to match his offensive output or kind of what he brought to the table in the form of maybe multiple signees. But um, I don't know. I think in terms of what's available in free agency, I don't think you're going to be able to match much of what he would be able to bring to the table or at least kind of things that would fit their needs. I mean, there's obviously guys out there that would be a great addition, but in terms of kind of what the Nats would need moving forward, I think they might need to look into kind of the, the trade game a little bit and see if maybe they can they can make some moves that way. Um, but whatever they do, I just hope Manny Machado stays as far away from them because I enjoy watching the Nats. When I go home for like the summer months, I go, I like going down to D.C. and watching some games. And I don't want sure. to have to go watch Manny Machado. And thankfully, yeah. because of what they have right now, I won't have to worry about that. But I just don't want any surprises. Yeah. Uh, you're not signing anybody because Juan Soto is stepping into that role. You struck gold with one of your prospects. You're going to let him be the guy. So you're not signing anybody. Uh, from Matt, <clears throat> this is a fun one. Who hit more Little League bombs? <laughs> ha! Uh, I'm going to let you answer this one because I don't want to come across as... You definitely took that one. You were a, like six foot at like 12. I was, and I had <laughs> a little bit of a, a little mustache coming in. Oh, yeah, dude. You're already shaving. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I, yeah I'm not going to lie. I, uh, I definitely had more, but I will say I probably peaked when I was 12 in terms of my baseball. <laughs> my baseball output um and my mom tells me that all the time she's like no you had a great high school career and even she doesn't have the heart like god bless her (laughs) even she doesn't even have the heart to say you also had a great college career because pretty much my entire family and anybody that's relatively close to me knows that college just wasn't wasn't my best run wasn't wasn't my best four-year run that i had in my lifetime with baseball (laughs) took till my senior year to crack 300 at the plate so just not ideal. Although, I will say, defensively, I was a freaking vacuum down there at third base for the old Christopher Newport captains. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I would say, yeah, that was that was probably my peak. So, it's, well, it's, this, it's, great, uh, it's great to hear, but it's also depressing when you think about what happened after the fact. So, Well, this alludes to our next question from Sean. Why didn't... You make it to the league. Well, Sean, it's because <laughs> I just pe- it's because I peaked when I was twelve years old. So <laughs> there's your answer, Nate. You had a you had a, a rough rough history with injuries, if I recall correctly. Or correct? Uh, yeah, I um I was okay in high school, nothing special. Um, I was lucky enough to, to earn a scholarship to play at Odessa College in West Texas, and uh, I broke my hand two weeks into the spring season and. Scholarship went away, and that was about it for me. So, so there you go. Way so basically, nice depressing note. So basically, we're uh, we're just validating all those bums on Instagram that exactly that call us bums because we're not in the league making a bunch of 
money. So bingo. I guess in a way they're right. Yeah. And I like Cheetos, so I guess I am a bum. And I like the couch, so <laughs> I think I think we're the real winners here. So um well any uh any closing thoughts that pretty much wraps up what I had. Uh we got our best and worst. Ready for our best and oh, worst this true, week? True, because I have the SeatGeek ad read after my best and worst notes, so I just zoomed right by him and completely forgot we had that. All right, we're gonna have to buzz through this because I was I was ready to wrap this thing up, shut it down. Uh, yeah, this week we this week we've got best and worst swings. Now let me, as I feel like we're gonna have to do every week we do this, gonna have to clarify a little bit, give a little little breakdown of kind of what we're looking at. For this week, and again, this is it. This will be an every Thursday thing. So this week is best and worst swings, and this has nothing to do with results or outcome, or basically offensive prowess of any of these individuals. It's merely which swings we find most visually pleasing to the eye. So one of the rules that I, I laid down for this, and I, I texted Nate the other day, we're going with two position players and one pitcher for each kind of make it fun a little bit, mix it up with the the pitchers. Cause we all know that I just hate the concept of pitchers hitting. So I figured <laughs> eh, we'll mix it in there just to keep things, keep things loose. Um, the other rule was that Otani could not be eligible for best swinging pitcher. Um, because yeah. Nate Screw simply, yeah, Nate simply just does not like Otani. All right. Um, how do you want to do this? Just switch off again. Yeah, we'll, let's do it. We'll Please. end. We'll end each each one for best and worst with our pitchers. So we'll start with our two okay. position players. We'll go. Uh, you want to do worst swing first? End with best. Sure. Yeah, we can do that. All right. Who do you got for for uh, worst swing position players? This poor guy was on our show last week. Hunter Pence. Ah. Uh, I was going to pick him, but I, I knew you were going to pick him. So I was like, I'll go with somebody else. Dear Lord, that swing is atrocious. And if you ever watch, please watch a video of that guy in the on-deck circle. <laughs> oh, my it God. It's so embarrassing. Shield uh, your children's eyes if you have children. <laughs> Don't let them see it. Yeah. What do you got? Um, I'm going, and again, just clarify, this is not performance-based. This is merely visual and again, this is my opinion, so I don't care what you all think. This is my opinion. That's I'm right. going I'm going Anthony Rizzo. There's just something about his swing. Maybe it's just because oh. he's, he's a big bulky guy. Uh I don't I don't like where he I don't like his hand placement um, in his stance. It's just it's a little too low for me for my liking. Um and when he hits sometimes I I'd have to go back and look at video. I was watching some clips yesterday, but I think it's on the up and in pitch. It's almost like he's worried it's going to like hit him in the face. So he like throws his hands at the ball and like throws his head back. It's just, I, I can't explain it. It's really, really complicated and just <laughs> looks very bizarre to me. But anyway, uh, number two position player for you. Where's swing? Todd Frazier. Ooh. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. And I, I'm a big fan of Todd Frazier. That guy is the, the Todd man. father. But that swing is no bueno. Uh, and again, it's not results based, so ignore that. It's just purely mechanical. It's really gross. 
second pick for me. And this, I'm going in order of least to most. No, that doesn't even make sense. From This is hard because it's the worst swing. So not as bad swing to the worst swing, I guess. Uh, Chris Davis. Just a completely aggressive, like, just violent swing. And... Not it's not all the time though. That's the, that's the thing. There's sometimes there's just something about a swing. Is like I know he can flick the ball out. Wait, to right? Chris with a K or Chris with a no, C? no, no. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have clarified. Chris Davis of the Orioles, Mister like Buck Fifty this season. Um, just not not the greatest swing in my opinion. And again, like I was like I was just saying, I know he can flick the ball out um, with basically his wrists, but the swing to me is just to use the, the terminology I used to start the segment, it's just not visually pleasing to the eye, at least to my eye. Um, and switching over to you for your pitcher, worst, worst swinging pitcher. Uh, <laughs> Bartolo Colon. Oh, my God. I didn't want to include him in this show. Oh, I don't like giving man. that guy air time. I, I'm, one of those uh, guys, I'm one of those guys that just does not get the whole like infatuation with Bartolo. It's like it's it not either. it's not funny. Like, granted, no. he's, he's playing forever. We get that, but it's just, it's not fun. I don't I don't buy into it. It's not funny. And he's super fat, and he's not a legend. Can we can we please get off of that? Like, his swing is gross. His helmet falls off every time he swings. Yep, because he's so fat. Worst swing. Yep. Well, I'm gonna go with a guy who's I guess similar to Cologne has tallied in the home run column uh but still does not have that great of a swing cc sabathia my guy my guy just gets up there he's one of those guys i have i have my hitting pitchers in categories and he falls into the category of i'm not interested in being up here i just want to get back into the dugout get my glove and get out get back out to the mound he just (laughs) does not seem interested in being up at the plate and every now and then he'll he'll poke one out the outfield like I said, sometimes even it's over the huge. fence, I think he's I think he's got three career home runs if I recall. Um, yeah, all the Brewers, I think. Yeah, so just I don't know, not not the greatest. Let's switch it over to kind of buzzing through this. Let's switch over to best swings. Um, uh, let's start with <clears throat> actually for this one. Let's start with the pitcher because I want to end Ooh. with who you think has who who you have who you think has the best swing. Uh, pitcher. Mr. John Lester. Oh. Very, very pretty swing very from the smooth, left side. Very smooth. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We saw him poke a couple in the last couple of years to uh to center, left center in Wrigley. So I, I think he's got a pretty pretty sweet swing. Yeah, he's been one of those guys that's been known to help himself out at the plate. Yeah, I I'm I'm in I'm with it. I I'm gonna go with him. Um I'm gonna go with uh Michael Lorenzen. Of the Reds. Oh, okay. Dude has been like legitimately looked at as a possible two way guy just because of how well he hits. And if you go back and watch it, like I watched his clip, I've seen him before, but like I went back and watched a few of his swings. If you didn't know any better, like if you're just some random guy out the street that didn't know the first thing about baseball, you'd be like, who's that infielder up there hitting? Like he just doesn't look <laughs> yeah. like, he just doesn't look like a pitcher when he's up there. Uh, so that's, sure. that's my best, best swinging pitcher. Who do you got for, your second best swing. I mean, we'll save the best for last. Who's your 
second best swing of this list. Miguel Cabrera. That guy mechanically is just everything I've ever taught as a hitting instructor and everything I build off of and try to teach kids. He is just amazing. He's probably going to finish as like one of the top 10 hitters of all time. One of the best uh, of our generation, for sure. Just a beautiful swing. Yeah. Miguel Cabrera. Very robotic. He could repeat it at yeah. will. Um, for mine, I'm going... Oh, this is a this is a last second call here. I should have had him in order, but it's so tough. I'm gonna save. I'm gonna save that one. I'm gonna say Buster Posey. Oh, I thought about him. There is Very one. Good. There is one GIF, and I'll I'll actually tweet it sometime soon. I, I tweeted it like actually I think it was like a year or two ago. There is a GIF of him that I could literally. Watch. What is a GIF or GIF? It's GIF. I, I don't care. It was GIF. People call it GIF. I call it GIF. It doesn't matter. The guy, the, the guy, who, yeah, the guy who made it said it was one or the other, and I can't remember which it was. But I'm going with GIF. Anyway, GIF peanut butter. Anyway, <laughs> there is a GIF that I could literally watch for the rest of my life, and it is like the exact reason that I put him on those on this list because it is one of the most pure swings I've ever seen, and we all know that he is obviously a phenomenal baseball player, phenomenal hitter. And he doesn't get to be that if he doesn't have mechanically sound and proficient swing. So that's my second pick. Who do you got as your top guy? Top prettiest swing, my man Robbie Cano. See, I was going to pick him, but I'm not going to put a PED user on my list. So Yeah, that's fair. And that was kind of eh for me. And but before you continue, sorry to cut you off again. Before you continue, I know there's people going to be like, oh, it doesn't matter if you use PEDs. It's all about the swing. I don't care. I'm not giving PED users airtime on this show. I don't care if it <laughs> has no impact on their swing. I don't care. That's my take. Continue. Pretty swing. That's all I'm going to say. It speaks for itself. Pretty left-handed swing. I had to throw a lefty on there. Well, it's funny you mention that because I'm going to wrap this up with a lefty, and that's Carlos Gonzalez. Oh, that was my his, other guy. His swing just makes me just makes me want to cry. It's so beautiful, and it's it's it really makes me wonder how his offensive numbers aren't even better than they already are. Like with that swing, he should be winning the triple crown every year. I don't understand. Uh, I know it's gorgeous. Yeah, no, that was my third guy. That was my other guy before we decided to do a pitcher. Yep. So that's my list. Um I think people will be more in agreement with these lists than maybe the best and worst swag that we did last week. So, yeah, I'll be curious to see. We actually we got some feedback uh, after last week's show, and I'm curious to see what people think about these particular lists. Um, other than that, I think we're about good. We're coming up here on close to an hour. So, any other thoughts? Uh. Uh. Medicine doesn't work for colts. That's all I know. Well, you must not be having Sudafed because that's yeah. the, that's the solution for everything. And C- all right, one more thought. You ready? What? I'm hungry. All right, it's four eighteen <laughs> on the East Coast, which means it's what? Well, you all, you yeah, you all don't do the freaking time change or the daylight savings or whatever. So yeah, we're the only normal people. Two eighteen. You have no excuse to be hungry. You should have already eaten lunch. That's not my fault. Um, all right. Well, I have no final thoughts. 
uh, other than go socks. As always, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch back up with you guys early next week. Uh, and in case we haven't made it clear or you haven't noticed already, these off-season episodes are going to be twice a week, every week, with new episodes on Monday and Thursday. We'll uh, Nate and I have a conversation about what we're going to do for the holiday weeks. Um, so we'll let you know about that. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it and leave that rating and review. Nate, how many stars? Number five. Nothing creative this time? You just nope. got lazy? Nothing. Just straight up five. Just five. I'm Simple. Dis- I'm disappointed to say the least. Uh, also, be sure to check out check out the shop. We've got shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, phone cases, and something I forgot to add to this list in the last few episodes. We've also got decals. I'm a big fan of the decals. They look fresh on laptops and water bottles, cars and water bottles and whatever else you want to slap a decal on. Um, wow, I've uh, lost track of where I'm at. No, it's, ah, yes, that URL. That website is shop.dtdbaseball.com. So head on over there after you leave the review, of course, and pick up some of the merch. Love y'all, and as always, we're looking forward to talking more baseball with you guys soon. Until then, stay filthy. What the f- time you to take? You take! Don't tell me you don't see it! You f- look! You understand?